This is Hamlet to Hamilton Exploring Verse Drama. I'm your host, Emily C.A. Snyder. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 9, King Arthur and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Play. To be. To be. Not to be. To be or not to be. That is the question. Hello, friends, and welcome to what might be one of the most painful episodes, but also perhaps one of the most fruitful. So for those of you who've been listening along to season two, you know that we've been looking at English language verse plays from 1587 to 2019 that deal with the King Arthur myth and most particularly have scenes between Lancelot and Guinevere. And today's offering is going to be one of the plays, uh, in fact, the only play, I believe, that is from the 1900s, from the 20th century. There are some other plays from from the previous century, um, and certainly you can always go on our website, hamlettohamilton.com, and check out the timeline of King Arthur verse plays to see what other playwrights were doing at this time. However, as you can imagine, the verse drama form in the 20th century did not fare as well as it had in previous centuries, which is where we have, of course, the narrative that verse drama just sort of ended. That's not true. Uh, But I would say with the advent of TV, with the advent of movies, and we'll be talking about this a little bit in today's episode, epic drama moved into a different format and away from verse drama for a little bit, uh, at least in the, the popular imagination. If you would like to read along with us, and I highly suggest you do, because while it's going to be very painful to listen to some of today's verse... It's also going to be incredibly instructive because today's playwright, uh, and don't worry, today's playwright (laughs) went on to have a long and successful career in film, actually. He just wasn't a verse playwright. Um, But the way he approached line endings is a beautiful and wonderful cautionary tale of how not to do line endings. And you're going to hear the the stuttering effect that it has on on Nick Ritako, Colin Kovark, and myself as actors, but you will also feel it as an audience member. And I would highly recommend listening to today's episode and then going back and listening to season one and our two episodes on line endings. I would also recommend listening to the episode on Schwumpf which is something that we'll discuss in just a minute. It's another technique in verse drama. If you would like to read along, you can find it at hamlettohamilton.com. You can also find all previous episodes there. And today's episode is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. You can join us over on patreon.com backslash hamlettohamilton. That's patreon.com backslash hamlettohamilton. And if you would like to join our community, there are bonus episodes. Sometimes you get to see the Zoom recordings of different episodes 
We also have online Zoom community hangs and parties occasionally. So you'll have access to all of that if you join us over on patreon.com backslash Hamlet to Hamilton. But let's get into today's play. So today we're going to be looking at American playwright. I'm joined as always by my season two co-host, Nick Ritaco, who'll be reading for Lancelot. I'll be reading for Guinevere. And Colin Kovarik will be reading for everyone else in the world. Um, We are looking today at an American playwright named Stark Young. And we'll be talking more about him when we get into the session that we recorded in the summer of 2020. And you'll hear our discussion there. What I want to do, though, is to remind you before we dive into his text, uh, and also to ask you to sort of hang on through his text so till we get to the discussion of his text, because that, uh, but between the two of them, it becomes incredibly fruitful. But let's go over briefly line endings and schrumpf. You'll get more if you go and listen to the full episodes from season one, but let's go over it briefly before we look at the text. So line endings. Uh, there are two types of line endings. One is end-stopped, which means that the thought ends with the end of the line. There is frequently some sort of punctuation, whether that's a period or a comma, something where it says the end of this thought ends with the end of the line. So that's end stopped. Then there are open-ended line endings, also known as enjammed line endings. And this is, uh, when used well, it's brilliant and it is evocative. When used poorly, as you're going to hear today, it turns you into sounding like sort of the worst imitation of William Shatner or Christopher Walken or anyone who sort of has starts and stops in their speech that don't make emotional sense. And this is where schwumpf comes in. So schwumpf is a word that I made up when I was teaching my students about approaching verse drama. Uh, And essentially the idea is, on every line of verse, everything that is on that line of verse needs to have an emotional connection. That when we read a line of verse, even if it's half a sentence from the previous line and the beginning of a sentence of the next line, if we were to write it as a paragraph, that what we're saying by putting these all these things on one line of verse is that these things are connected in the characters, in the speaker's brain, heart, gut, groin, etc. That they sort of are schwoomfed together. So when you're using enjambment, when you're using an open line ending, what you're doing is kind of highly developed schwumpf. So end-stopped lines are very simplistic schwumpf, right? But soft what light through yonder window breaks. That's all one line. Everything on that line is schwumpfed together. Soft light, window, breaks. Those are our main operative words that we hear. They're also on the stressed syllable. So we're schwoomfing those elements together. We're saying all these things are connected. It's end-stopped, 
So the thought stops with the end of the line, but soft or light, the yonder window breaks. End of thought, end of line, everything is neatly swooped together. As opposed to an open-ended line, which frequently, and again, if well used, can indicate a change of thought or a hesitation in continuing what you were about to say, but now you're cutting yourself off, or um, erraticness, but also it, it could say this is the thing that's emphasized by the time we get to the end of the line. It's very subtle. Again, go back, listen to the, especially the first line endings episode. Um, the one that I always use is from The Winter's Tale, where the line is, Go play, boy, play, thy mother plays and I. And the rest of the sentence continues on the next line, play too, but so da, 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 it doesn't matter what the rest of it is. If it were a paragraph, you would say, go play, boy, play, thy mother plays and I play too. But the line is open-ended. There's an enjambment. And the question you have to ask for every enjambment is basically, is there a reason for me to emphasize the end of this line? Is there a reason for me to take a breath at the end of this line? Is there a reason for me to take a pause or to sort of put an oomph um, on the end? And if there is, then that's a great gift to the actor. And if there isn't, then you are doing verse drama very badly. And the thing is, um, I I am going to harp on this because in my almost a decade of dealing specifically with new verse plays, this is one of the cardinal sins I see of young verse dramatists. As we're going to see today with Stark Young's very young verse drama, he, he is going to make this cardinal sin all over the place, and I think you'll feel how it doesn't work. We also, and I'm sure in future seasons, will be looking at Christopher Fry's work. He does this cardinal sin all over the place too. And what happens is that actors tend to truly enjam the end of the line in performance. What that means is they pretend you didn't put a line break there and they don't treat it as the end of the line. What it really means is they start treating your verse as if it's a paragraph. And so you, the playwright, feel so clever because you know that you put line breaks in. But the reality is that's not how the performers are playing your work. It's kind of like if you wrote your novel on music composition paper, but it's not, but you didn't write a single note of music. <laughs> And then people came in and they wrote a composition over your novel. You didn't actually do the work. They did the work for you. You you kind of did it all wrong and backwards. So this is important. And I'm actually excited that we get to look at someone who had a perfectly great career once he left verse drama behind him uh, so that we can sort of tear tear today's verse drama really to shreds, but know that he lived a long life, he lived a successful life, he is fine. Um, When we look at our modern playwrights, because starting next episode, we are moving into the 21st century. We're moving into our own millennia, which is very exciting. Um, 
the kid gloves are going to be on whenever we're dealing with a living playwright because we can learn and we can alter and we can edit. Uh, So I'm intrigued by what you find yourself as you listen to today's episode. I think that today's episode yielded some really interesting discussion. So hang on for that. And I also think that today's episode is going to be actually very helpful when we look at season three, because in season three, we're going to be taking everything we've learned from season one and season two, season one, looking at the fundamental theory of writing verse drama, season two, looking at sort of the development of verse drama by looking at these King Arthur plays. And season three, we're going to be looking at how you use the fundamentals of writing verse drama to make actually good scenes and soliloquies. And we will be referring back, I'm sure, to these plays that we've been looking at today. Because once again, although a lot of verse drama was just written to be read, or rather was written and published, were closet dramas, uh, for a variety of different reasons, um, And so they didn't get the feedback from actors saying, this is impossible to say out loud, is what I'm getting at. Drama is meant to be enacted. And your verse drama should be playable. And using an enjammed line ending is a glorious tool in your tool boudoir if you use it well. And we can learn a lot from looking at Shakespeare, from looking at Richard Hovey, who, by the way, used enjambment, chef's kiss, just glorious. But we can learn a lot, sometimes even more, from the people who fail spectacularly. I know for myself, and this will be the last thing I say before we jump into the episode, for myself, especially as a young director, I would frequently go and seek out terrible productions, not necessarily to make fun of them, although yes, as a young, hubristic 20-year-old with very low self-esteem, sure. Yes. Did I indulge in that? Yes. Do I see a lot of other young directors do that? Yes. It seems to be a rite of passage. Anyway, but part of why I would seek out really, really bad, badly directed versions of shows that I wanted to do was to see all the mistakes they made so that I would have already viewed why that mistake happened, why it didn't work, what was wrong with it. Um, Were there kernels of a good idea there that maybe I could take and use that kernel, but sort of attempt to quote unquote, do it right. So there's a lot that can be learned from someone who does it very wrong. I'm going to ask you to strap in. Some of this may be difficult to hear, not because of a- any context, but but literally just because this guy ain't got rhythm. <laughs> so, bless. Let's jump into Stark Young. Here we go. Guinevere, a play in five acts. This is by Stark Young. Stark Young is actually an American playwright. And He was born in 1881. This was written in 1906. So it's going to be the last of this particular era. It wasn't written in the 1890s, but the likelihood is he may have seen or run across some of the 1890s versions. He 
So, so he actually went to college at the age of 14. Um, yeah, got involved in, uh, he's from the American South. He got involved in a, a whole bunch of dramatics and this and that. He's largely a poet and a novelist, but I guess he was involved in the dramatics and he wrote this when he was 25 years old. So I guess sort of right out of college. I am not sure whether were this whether it was performed. I think it might've been sort of in a semi-pro community theater, you know, sort of educational theater perhaps. Mm-hmm. But regardless, I want to stress that this particular author, this is incredibly juvenile prose. Like like this is part of his juvenilia of his body of work. And again, it, it comes at the turning point from, uh, because then all his subsequent stuff, and even some of his books were made into movies, his subsequent stuff tends to be much more what we think of early modern realism and whatnot. So I, I'm going to be very fascinated to see since we've had this switch over from melodrama and, and and just sort of see what what his he's he's going to attempt to write in the Elizabethan style, having heard the melodramatic 1890s style, moving into the realism style. And I have no idea how it's going to sit, but let's see what happens. Cool. Yeah. This starts with act two. Again, this is Guinevere, a play in five acts. Act two, but we're going to start with Lancelot. Enter Sir Lancelot at the window. Ah, casement. A casement. Hey, this scene is legit, guys. This scene, this scene gets the stamp of approval. All right. Now we know it's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) On yesternight, to show my love for thee, I tore out of their sockets these iron bones, strove with might to show my love. Ah, my beloved, I have set thee as a seal upon my heart, as a signet ring upon my heart. I have set thee. But yet, Sir Lancelot, my blood is heavy with misgiving. And mine. I know not wherefore I am racked with dread, but now I did see black shapes hurtle, think upon the gust. The wind doth reek with pests and fevers, rank and rotten fogs come from the slows. This stinking of the air liketh me not, that these stars are stubborn, all this darkness here is much too thick. Tis so. But now the moon shined clear, now she is gone. The morbid air doth suck up humors from the glens, a death-sweet perfume that but half doth please me. The heaven is silent, and round the world the mantle of the dusk cloaks heavily. What noise was that? It was the clock at the postern gate that smoked. What hour didst thou take count? Eleven, my lady. Think you it is a lucky hour? Nay, I know not, but I... My lord, Sir Lancelot, it was a hapless hour that ere we twain met together. I remember me the day thou first... I remember me the day thou first didst come to Camelot and the jest, and the jousts. I'm going to say that all again. <laughs> I, Colin, go ahead and leave this in because we're getting to the point where like... And we're going to talk about this, I'm sure. Some of this verse is not so great. And you should hear that it is tripping us up. And that's okay. That's good to learn. My Lord Sir Lancelot, it was a hapless hour that ere we twain met together. I remember me the day thou first didst come to Camelot and the Jousts. Ah, we were young. And I did lack my sword and would have been shamed hadst thou not brought it me wrapped in thy robe. And I did see thee fight so strong and seemly. And I saw thee, Queen Guinevere, saw thee, fairest among all women and all queens. 
And then, as the rising moon looms like a white fire from the world's edge, flaming into heaven, so burned up love through all my veins. I'm going to pause. Um, will you, from here on out, Nick, take even a slighter pause after every weird line ending so the audience can really hear a weird line ending? You're already sure. leaning or lifting. Keep that up. But just give an extra pause so the audience can really hear that because it's going to okay. become really important. Important when we're talking about this verse. Got it. Yeah, as we're talking about how well this verse works or not. Mm-hmm. Um, do, would you mind taking this one more time? I can start yeah. us again. Starting this again. And I saw thee, Queen Guinevere, saw thee, fairest among all women and all queens. And then as the rising moon looms like a white fire from the world's edge flaming into heaven, so burned up love through all my veins. And as the streams of Arabia do nurse the myrtle flower and the winds and the rain lead up till it bursts with prison sweetness, so hath love opened my heart. And yet tonight have I fears lest no good will come of it. How often have we made our promises, made prayers to the cross that nevermore we fall in deadly sin, alas, Sir Lancelot, and twere not for this earthly taint thou hadst succeeded in the quest. The sound of wind and distant thunder without. Yea, madam, I had seen the sangreal, but for this stain to blot it from mine eyes. Once I saw the great clearness in a chamber, and in the midst a silver table held, covered with red samite from my sight, the cup that bore the blessed blood of God, with many angels singing nigh, and then the holy vessel of the Sangrael passed, and the fire smote me in the visage that I might not see, but only Can you stand. Can do that my... again? Oh, I just ran right over it. Um... The holy vessel? Uh, Actually, maybe take it from... I gotta go from the beginning of the thought, which might be the beginning of the... I think you could take it from the cup that bore the blessed blood of God, because there's a... Yeah. (laughs) The cup that bore the blessed blood of God, with many angels singing nigh. And then, the holy vessel of the Sangreal passed, and the fire smote me in the visage that... I might not see, but only stand my poor eyes hungering, my nostrils filled with the sweet savor round. For never did I battle for God's sake, but only to win worship or be better loved of thee. Many a night. Thunder! Guinevere goes to the window. The aspect of the heavens groweth perilous. How sweet is hearth and fellowship on such a night together. I, frightened children, cowering with dread. Hark to the bellowing elements, methinks. Tis all the wrath of the world met here tonight. Look how the wind heaves darkness past the window. Come from the lightning's reach. Tis well. What wast? Many a night thou saidst? Many a night, Sir Lancelot, have I, lain in the castle of silence, when slowly, dropping dew-like round the caves of sleep, came dreams and separate lives, and then I saw that other life our younger visions painted. Ah, one soul liveth many lives, my lord, during our day's short span. Without his taint, without this taint, the purity of the court was still unbroke, and still unmarred were chivalry and worship. But from our love, I fear me, there will come 
downfall and woe to many. Grieve not thus, or much. Dost not know well. God pardoneth all things sooner than despair. Methought there must be holiness somehow, when soul drinketh up soul for love somehow. But since it may not be, we needs must grieve and make but mournful cheer. Not so for all the quest and hoped for heaven. Surely God wearies of repentant wretches, and the prostrate flesh of willing men cumbers the path of the world too much already. Let me stand up till I be dead. I cry. And if I sin, I have eternity to bide the punishment. I love thee. Thou art near me. Beware, thou dost o'erleap thyself as ever at the moment's heat. Yet I do love thee sure, no whit less that thou canst forget nice counsel in fond madness. Reason speaks to reason, but unto heart only the heart can speak. Heart calleth heart. Oh, yeah, let's keep going. But who heart knows not, heart. <laughs> who knows not man's heart is but fate's tool. You know, I, do you want to keep going? I'm good with stopping. There's so- this guy's having. I feel like he wrote like this high this yeah. high schooler this, this high schooler is- was assigned to write a play painful? and his his verse okay, hurts me. There's so let's, much more to. It's so hard. It is so hard yeah. to say this. Okay, let's go down. Yeah, and I'm sitting. I actually just, during your little speech, scrolled all the way down the scene and then scrolled all the way back up to find it. You were still talking. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not your fault. Lancelot okay, let's on. let's at least try to, let's do the bit that's got the spectacle. So we're going to skip forward a bit. Well, let's, be- before, we, before we go yeah, on, yeah. I, I marked two things that were interesting that uh-huh. uh, reminded me of your workshop, actually. I noticed that <laughs> Guinevere... On our page 58 mm-hmm. in the packet, ha- with misgiving is its own line, which I thought was either interesting or weird. Well, the, the curious <laughs> thing, what he's doing here a lot with the verse is like someone will finish their line. It may be a half line and the other person doesn't pick it up. They just start a new line. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, I was I was like, because anytime that's done intentionally, there's a reason, you know, <laughs> that line needs the extra punch and the space. But right. That didn't seem to warrant it. And, well, lower on, uh, at the very bottom, Lancelot, I was try- scan- you know, I'm trying to scan this as we're reading. Hadst thou not brought it to me rapid in thy robe is how that oh. has to scan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're probably right. Yeah. And so much, when soul drinketh up soul, so many God pardoneth. Now, the thing is, he's right. Those are the correct verbs. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. I did this when I was 25. Actually, my first novel, Niev and the Hermit. Yeah, my first novel, Niev and the Hermit. So I wrote it when I was 23 I was and 24, say, yeah, I guess. And I think it was young. published when I was 25. Um, and I had, I would suggest better thou verbs. But then I went through on the edit and I put in all the eths and ests and whatnot. And yeah, I think it destroyed the first half of the novel, to be quite frank. Like, it, there's a lot that I want to go back and revise about it. That's my Jewel of Vanilla. It's like, I feel for this mm-hmm. dude because I did that. And I did that because I'm like, I know my verbs and I can do them. I'm going to show off how well I know how to, like, when yeah. to use the S, which, by the <laughs> way, is when you're talking about a third object that is not there, but for which you still have affection. Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's this a, guy, it's impossible this to guy, say. <laughs> to me, just see, like I can tell, he seems actually like a talented. I think writer, he'll become talented. You know, but I've no, yeah, exactly, yeah. Like he'll be like he's got a lot that he's trying. He's in his own way entirely. Yes. I mean, just go to the go to the yeah. line. Also, can I? How sweet is? Can I just say just just purely about plot and character though? Like, okay, so he's hitting the plot point of they're confessing their love, yada yada. Okay, but like. Mm-hmm. It seems to me so clear that like he's never kissed a girl or yeah, even, like talked like, to yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> like this is so. <laughs> there might be a little copy paste here from some other stuff he's read. So very much copy paste, like yeah. especially all the thunder stuff. He's like, oh mm. right, and I saw that one that toured America, and there was all this thunder stuff. So, Hence the yeah. same thing with the sand grail <laughs> and constantly talking about the sand yeah. grail. I, well, I was going to yeah. point that out too because there he's really he has captured the the again the lived in religion that we referenced last session mm. of uh, making reference to churchy things and not having to explain them. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, well he's he's got a hold of that, but yeah, I I wonder if that was his own knowledge or having read the earlier ones. I can double check again. I think he probably comes from a Christian uh, Protestant background, coming from the American South of the turn of century. So. Well, you looked that up, Emily. The one yeah. line that I just felt like was really em- emblematic of mm. of just him being more difficult on, than he needed to be, especially like on anybody that's trying to read this damn thing, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Lancelot's line: "How sweet is hearth and fellowship! Uh, How sweet is hearth and fellowship on such a night period together." hyphen uh, and like as an actor i'm immediately like how sweet is hearth and fellowship on such a night together and for some reason this dude is making this two this thing two thoughts cutting one of them off and having guinevere not pick up the end of the verse line but start her own line next with i frightened children cowering with dread yes and there's a chunk of white space why uh, he, he's not using white space at all because like white the verse yeah. Yeah. i don't get it i don't i just uh, why why are we making this harder than it needs to well be? okay so this <laughs> he's doing my bugbear right which is that he is cutting each line at 10 syllables ah. which is why we have like so the beginning because we kept having to redo the lines and that's where i kept asking yes. you to really heighten the yeah. end because like the ending of the line yeah, yeah where is it it's um technically correct but doesn't help it, it, well it all. doesn't tell you anything it doesn't okay as opposed to hovey who also used weird line endings but all of that would then like tell you so much more when you swooped back into the beginning of the next verse mm-hmm. if you if you listen to seth myers uh he's one of my favorite late night people but his speech pattern i would love to take it and put line endings every time he well like i just did he has interesting language patterns where he will take a breath right before the the adjective or the thing that he wants to emphasize which would be perfect a weird weird line ending verse oh my um God, you're right yeah I'm, I'm playing his, his vocal cadence in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> because he swoops back then into the beginning but so for example taking a look okay uh, this is going to very I want to hear him do Shakespeare. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things you need to do is just go in and then like transcribe his stuff and do it as an exercise in order to force someone to do his cadence and his line endings uh, to put a line ending at every breath he takes. Yeah. And then try to speak it and see if someone can, if it forces the person to do his cadence, which I guarantee you it will. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So yeah, this is what he writes here, for example. 
is the morbid air does suck a oh actually I'll go to the beginning of it. This is so hard. Again, it's all monosyllabic. It it's not in I ams. It's not ba dum ba dum ba dum. It doesn't really have scansion somehow. It doesn't. It don't gut rhythm. <laughs> yeah, because tis so. But now this is all spines again. The moon shined clear. Now she is gone. The morbid air does suck up humors. From the glen, a death sweet perfume that but half doth please me. The heaven is silent. What? And round the world, the mantle of the dusk. Okay. Cloaks heavily. What noise is that? I don't got rhythm. Yeah. yeah. It didn't, it doesn't feel right. It's just, in your mouth or like just mentally looking at the page. I was trying to figure out what, what right? on earth. I was saying. And in the poetry, <laughs> well, what's been fascinating with all of these, I've noticed so much celestial imagery. It's mm. it's like the casement. People keep going, you are the sun and the moon and the stars. Like they keep going to back to airy imagery for these guys, as well as forestry imagery, which is really kind of fascinating. Mm. Those are the go-tos. So he's got a bit of that here. Although again, with like this Southern flair where he's talking about like bogs and, and but yeah, I was confused about it with Lancelot's beginning things of like, Oh, we're in love, but we're saying the wind doth reek with pests and fevers, rank and rotten fogs, which by the way, again, is like rank and rotten fogs. So huge mood kill, bruh. Like what what are we what are we to what, what this is not <laughs> this is again this guy this has never a lot better. Th- this yeah. guy's never been on a date. <laughs> he has never what are, you, what are what are you doing, man? We're not gonna no talk game. about the, the, the bog and the fog the when we're stinking <laughs> of the air. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why am I saying the word stinking in this scene? Like to, why is the word the girl stinking I like in the scene with the girl I like? Yeah. Like, <laughs> You know? Ah, it's so weird. Okay, so let's skip down to the end when, like, at least a spectacle happens. Yes. And l- let's just see if maybe when, because the other thing I'm finding that he's doing, as you're saying, getting in his own way, he's doing the other thing young poets do. So they tend to count to 10 and then cut the line without thinking how this affects. They sometimes don't gut rhythm. They think counting to 10 suffices for iambic. It doesn't. Or for any meter, it doesn't. <laughs> it's just 10 syllables again it's dot matrixy he's not using white space either for actions you know like for silent actions he's not using shared lines as much so we're, i'm not picking up what you're putting down and yeah the last thing is his poetry is getting in his own way where like he's mm-hmm. and this word this does feel like juvenilia and again i'm guilty of this and the number of poets who have started verse poetry even if they're starting verse poetry at like 50 60 years old this is such a huge offense and Shakespeare's guilty of it too. And Shakespeare's guilty of it in Romeo and Juliet. So like take comfort everyone, but he's letting the poetry get in its way. Like, why am I saying all this poetical stuff? It has nothing to do with the plot. And again, it's using dialogue, music, and spectacle as the thing you're relying on rather than plot character and then philosophy. It's, it's using the tools, but like, you know, so actually, so when Romeo says, uh, what is it? Feather of lead, bright smoke. You know, that whole speech. It, it, nothing happens. There's no reason for mm. him to say it. It doesn't move the plot forward. It just stops everything. It's really nice poetry. People love to use it to show this is what an antithesis is. Like, but congratulations, dude. Okay, you know how to juxtapose things in the same way this guy knows how to use Seamoth correctly. Yeah. But like, get to the plot. Get to yeah. the story. Come on. <laughs> I drive it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Enjoying the episode so far? So did we. And boy, do we have a treat for you. We're going to be releasing the Zoom video of last week's melodrama episode for all our supporters on Patreon. You'll be able to watch Nick, Colin, and myself as we get far too melodramatic and as we get incredibly giggly, as you'll hear in just a minute. To access this bonus content, which will drop in the next few weeks, you can become a patron at any level on patreon.com backslash Hamlet to Hamilton. That's patreon.com backslash Hamlet to Hamilton. It was a lot of fun to record. It's a lot of fun to watch. And we can't wait to share it with you. All right, back to the show. I'd, I'd rather be swooning. I would rather be swooning because right now... Mm-hmm. I am bored. I don't even know where we're at. I have tuned out. So let's yeah. see if maybe she's an audience member too. You're pro- you're like so you know, done. So and I I have not felt like stopping any of these scenes. I've at least had something that's made me curious. Well, yeah, because some yeah. of them have been so bad they've been good, right? And like we, like, <laughs> but now I think two times tonight we've like one is like meh, and what this one is at least like oh I can't make it through. This <laughs> 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 is like this is. We, we can, we're not going to say this about any living playwright because every living playwright is still learning and has not had the benefit of centuries of people working on this. So like you're trying to make a jargle floof without knowing what a jargle floof is so like good on for you. But I feel we can criticize people who are dead and this is just <laughs> bad. It's not good. It's, it's not, not good. good. <laughs> this podcast speaks ill of the dead. No, it's, it's not good. good. <laughs> <laughs> They, they had their chance. <laughs> they had their shot. Look, and, the, uh, it's not good. It's not it's, good. It's not good. This guy went on to have a perfectly great career. He published good, good novels. Good. He found yep. his niche. This just wasn't his niche. More yep. power to him for writing multiple plays in verse. Learn. Learn, my cherubs. Learn from him. Let us mm-hmm. all learn. <laughs> Okay. Excellent role model for what <laughs> not to do. Hey, look, the Berenstein Bears. That is important as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's take it from, oh gosh. All right. Let, let's take it from, I have at the top of, you might have a top of 59 uh, or 60, 61, somewhere there. Alas, why looms the shade of fate thus on thee? Wow. Okay. The amount, since you pointed out at our very first one where you were like, that's Lancelot's line, by the way. Since you pointed out monosyllabism. And how that is harder to say with that very first guy in the 1580s. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so noticing it now. Yeah. You, and even so, even in the melodramatic one, you notice that the monosyllabic stuff in that scene didn't work. And all of the other flowy poetry actually worked to even fuel the telenovela we were doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it was. Well, whereas, but, but he also used his monosyllabic stuff to punctuate. Oh, punctuate, mad, sure. mad. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's when you want to have it. But like, everything else sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It flowed. It which, flowed. Which which page are we? I'm sorry. It's uh, uh, for us. It's sixty one. Sixty one. Lancelot. Yeah. Alas, I mean, we could, we, alas, why loons? Yeah. Let's let's try it. Let's see how far we get. Let's see if we can get to some action, guys. We can do this. We can do this. Okay. Alas, why looms the shade of fate thus on thee? I heard strange stories long ago amid the leaping shadows of my father's hearth. And sea howls echoed from the haunted crags, and oft the dreaded of my Danish forebearers. Oh, she's Danish in this. That is completely, that's cool. Okay. Okay, sorry. And oft the dreaded of my Danish forebearers, weird, great goddess of fate hath loomed on me, 
hath beckoned out of her marble mist, O Christ, and I draw on but cannot read her face, and yond her sitteth darkness in the road. O God, if fate be in thy hand, let her not come upon me yet. Nay, nay, thou art o'erwrought. Who knows but I might drive fate back from thee with might of love. Man's will is half his destiny. She hath loved long the nations of the north, seeking and fain, how if she wait their daughter? How if e'en now she smote me from the sun? Thou art rapt. Lo, at the window, there tis she. Tis what? Weird, tis fate. See you not her face there in the blackness? Do I not know thy face, thou hell queen? Now do I learn its feature. Spare me, O Christ, Christ may not spare me from thee. Tis frenzy come upon thee. Clamor without, gauntlet strikes door. Nay, thou'st said it. Thunder and wind, flashes of lightning, voices. Ah, traitor knight, we have thee. Come out, open to us. Ho! Madam, is there any armor here that I may cover my bodies against their numbers? Alas, none, no armor here. Knocking and cries again. Oh, God, this shameful cry I may not suffer. Most noble Christian queen, if I am slain, good night, and pray for my soul. Know well, my kinsmen, they will save thee from the fire. It just sounds like Shatner. It sounds I'm gonna like... hit. I'm gonna hit. I... I'm gonna hit that line ending for you. They <laughs> will save thee from the fire. Okay, <laughs> I've been. I've been trying not to talk about William Shatner. Okay, no, but like. But... Now we need to go yeah. walk it in Shatner and do all their line endings. Okay, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Nay, wit thou well, Sir Lancelot, if thou art slain, I will take my death meekly as ever did any woman. Knocking, cries, Sir Lancelot gets a bolt from the window. They are battering at the door with a beam. Leave your, leave your dashing, cowards, and I will set open the door. <laughs> Mordred appears out of nowhere, apparently, as well ye made, as well ye may, traitor, for there be men here against all odds. Voices from without, eight, eight twelve, twelve, score! <laughs> Nay, have I not my knights? Tis strange, they stir not at such clamor. She opens the door to their chamber. Tis no matter. Sir... Call Gravance. <laughs> Sir Garrett. Oh, wake, wake. They wake not. Oh, God, they wake not. Twas the tankard. Oh, treachery. Sir Lancelot opens the door wide enough to admit one man. A big knight pushes in. Sir Lancelot fills him with the bolt, draws him in, and fastens the door. Off with his armor. Help, madam. Not again. Do thou... Dash out the torches here when I am gone. Outside, there is an astonished silence, hammering and cries again. Ah. Sir Lancelot, now armed, opens the door and rushes into their midst. They fight on the stair and in the corridor. Guinevere has put out the torches. Darkness broken only by flashes of lightning. Mordred rushes terrified into the room, followed by Agravain, whose helmet is broken off. They are revealed by a flash. Oh, God, Sir Mordred! He is unbolting the door to the knight's chamber. She snatches the great tankard from the floor and hurls it. 
Coward, have that for thee! Lightning! Mordred has escaped! Agravane lies on the floor. Dark! Oh God, Dark! Oh, alas! Who is it there that draweth near me? Hell, is it thou revisitest me once more? Tonight? Nay, it hath armor, speak! No armor, but a mantle, speak! Oh, speak! Thou wilt not speak, I know thee! Oh, oh, oh! Enter Sir Lancelot with torch. He places torch in sconce by door. What woe is this? Thy cry hath roused the very falcons in the muse. One touched me in the darkness, I am mad! Tis not, art thou hurt? Nay, but do faint with dealing blows. Calm thee, calm thee. Thou shalt not come to harm. Hear the wind moan. <laughs> We're almost done. I can do this. <laughs> All right, Emily's broken. <laughs> I'm apparently either really good at this or really bad at this. I don't know. <laughs> just... you're, you're doing perfectly. Hold on. We can do this. We can do this. Okay. How if the king knows not what hath befallen? Oh, wow. That line's felt so good to say. <laughs> T'were fond to think they would not tell him. But he is just and blind, and yet t'was fate that came now, that came but now to my window. Footsteps without. Some knight returns to... King Arthur stands in the doorway. Jesus Marie, it is! Broken line! <laughs> All right, oh guys, God. first, let's oh. go first things first. This young gentleman is a copycat. Oh, my God. Brained again. Burn Brained him again. At the stake. <laughs> Copy, <laughs> like, he couldn't even copycat well. Like, good Lord. Like, how do you screw that up, man? You did the same thing. You did the same exact thing as the Mallory one. Like, <laughs> and you still screwed it up. Yeah, he did the, the art. Is it the Sullivan one where we take off the armor? Or was it the previous one? No, no, no. It was the Sir Thomas Mallory. Was the I thought I thought it was the was Sir it, Thomas yeah. Mallory where the Aggravane comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the the one, earlier uh, British one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, but actually, it seems like he's read several of them because he's like pulling. It, he. This is such fan fiction. Yeah. Was <laughs> there a bit of original material here, sir? Yeah, also, a bunch of all the talk about bogs and things. Also, yeah, the Danish thing. The Danish thing. Yeah, it, like he clearly is also into Norse literature, and so it was like, I'm going to show this off too. I think he also, I, I, yeah, I think he just screwed that up and yeah. uh, went with it. And making <laughs> no, a Danish no. goddess a demon that appears Actually, at the window. Actually, to me, no, 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 no. So to me, this feels like someone who lives the evangelical Southern religion. Because it's all this stuff of like oh. demons and hell and foreign gods that we need to like really work Expel. against. Yeah, yeah it's it, this is not lived Catholicism or in the case of like Hovey, it's actually lived high Anglicanism is what he was raised as. This is. Oh, that's okay. Right. And that's where I will like, let, let's give him his due that he got that philosophy into the characters as opposed to just like saying it out loud. But it's also fascinating because, I mean, when people talk about like, oh, but I want to write about this message. It's like, just write the story. What mm -hmm. you think about the world will reveal itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, don't worry about that. That'll come out. <laughs> There's a Guinevere line here that made me, you, who is it there that draweth nearer me? And I, I think that was one of the ones I lost it at too, just because. Uh, yeah. 
he's finally yeah well no he's finally like into poetry where he's trying to use punctuation on the ends of lines now like this is the moment where you kind of at least it happens for guinevere not so much for (laughs) it's a lot as we found out uh but there's a couple lines here for guinevere where she is like the, the poetry is trying to work and he's trying to end the lines at the end of actual like verse lines and he can't even do that in a way that sounds right in your mouth uh, you know yeah I, well i mean when he got into the action it was a little better because at least it was sure, yeah. fast but even well, so the scene you, was about something yeah the scene became about something you well know? and again this tells me this is a young guy who's like i know how to play six sticks and swords with the bros because i was a 14 yeah. year old in college you know it's but like <laughs> also but how much like he must have seen the previous one with with Arthur Sullivan with all this lightning and like because I'm looking at this going this would be impossible to stage I'm gonna put out torches and then put them on again like yeah it, in I'm his like, you're time a stage period? fire waiting to happen bro yeah you are you are going to burn the theater down right right you know but but it, it it's also hilarious though because he's trying to change it just enough that it's like only one night rushes up. <laughs> But not named Agravain. Agravain will come in later, but only one knight gets in. You know, but it, it was literally the same thing as like one knight comes in, Lancelot beats him, and he's like, hey, can you help me take his armor off so I can put it on because I obviously don't have it. Like, it's the same scene. And ah, also Agravain shows up later and is still Just, technically brained again. Still right. brained. Say that. Again. Well, yeah. and, and both of them end with Arthur coming in as yeah. well, being discovered by Arthur. Marie. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, this feels very much... Okay, so there's a thing in science fiction and fantasy, more fantasy than science fiction, of basically, I've done my research and now you must suffer for it. I've done my world building (laughs) and now you must suffer for it. (laughs) And this guy's definitely... Again, this is fascinating juvenilia because that's where we get, like, he studied Norse mythology. So that's why all of a sudden we're just going to start talking about the goddess weird. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, there were several nights where you and I would, would, like, Sir Knight... You know, or or places where people have been where, like, you stop going, oh, wait, hold on, what is the name of this? Sir Colgravance. Sure. Colgravance. Yeah, that's, let's use that. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, we can say that name with Ernest. <laughs> right. But when he gave into the fun of it, it was fun again. At yep. least. Agreed. It was derivative. I, know, I, I, I it was agree. Fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't feel that I had any characters. I still felt like someone's toy that's being moved around, you know, mm. and then they do this and then we turn off the lights and then the lights come back on. And it's actually aggravating. And then <laughs> this felt like a very much unintelligent Lancelot to me. Oh, interesting. Have you had intelligent Lancelots? Well, I guess Hobie's Lancelot is. He felt very emotionally intelligent and yeah. one who was willing to like take new information and build upon it. Like yeah. that, you know what I mean? Whereas some of the other Lancelots, it feels like we're in the same place we started this scene, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this this Lancelot felt very much stagnant. And This Guinevere didn't exist until she was like, I shall expel the demons from thee. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> oh, there's a character here. Yeah, like, oh, okay, yeah. she's afraid of something. But it, it's interesting, too, because there were several pronouns that I was like, I don't know who I'm referring to right now. Who am I talking about? Yeah. And that's a problem I found more with Fletcher, who co-wrote some plays with Shakespeare. And so, like, I always feel I could tell when it's Fletcher because, like, I never know who I'm talking about. There's never an antecedent. He just does Mm -hmm. a ton of pronouns. He never uses a noun to just (laughs) tell me what I'm talking about. And there were a couple places here. It wasn't quite that bad, but it was, like, just grammatically, who's she? 
that I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, huh? Yeah. Weird. Tis fate. See you not her face. There in the blackness. Blackness. Do I not know thy face? Thou hell queen. You know. Yeah. Like there's, you know, spare me, spare me, O Christ, O Christ, may not spare me from thee. Uh, Tis frenzy come upon thee. You know, <laughs> we're, we're just doing these pronouns. Well, yeah. It's, it's interesting. So can you talk a little bit, because you especially had even more, let's call them Shatner line endings. Oh God. Yeah. You want to talk about why I felt very unintelligent. Maybe that was it too. Mm. But yeah, the, the, the fact that he's emphasizing if we are to speak the verse correctly and emphasize, you know, st- stress the right syllables yeah. at the, at the end of these verse lines. I mean, we're, we're having, he's stressing all of the wrong words. <laughs> I mean, I'm stressing words like they, they again, uh, nothing that's like part of that actually is like critical to the thought that I'm trying to to convey where's another there's another good one here and i will set open the door you know um (laughs) why yeah also can we say how tired i am of saying misogynistic lines about women oh yes as one of your i am tired Uh, in in the last three playwrights we've done they've all talked about women being weak in some way Mm -hmm. i'm like Mm -hmm. give me back hovey please (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's Which, yeah, like, I remember in the first one you had an like an anti I would eat his heart in the marketplace. She was like, I oh, would yeah. not slay him if, if I, were, I a were a man. Yeah. I was like, yeah. ah, great. Yeah, but no, so much. I'm a woman. Get, but we'll get to we'll get to your Guinevere, which is the uh, eventually the exact opposite of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, this time period is wrought with that misogynistic. Oh, if I had but the strength. Yeah, well, I mean, like, and I'm thinking back to Hovey, and the closest he got is her making the argument, basically, we can't be together because a woman's job is to look out for the family, which is a a valid thing even now to be like, look, the woman gives birth, so usually is the one saddled, you know, like, at least for nine months if she's going to give birth with, like, having to mm-hmm. deal with that. Um women who have who have wombs and women who get pregnant and and what's cool about it is then Lancelot comes back with the new thought of like hey hey I'm part of this family too mm-hmm. you know I am I have an investiture in the family don't say that the family's just about women you know and it's like whoa that's a look at you it's like I mean it, it's very different because he raises it in order to talk about it and that's a good yeah. use of philosophy and also that is the very thing they're arguing is that's what dare we stay together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't come out of nowhere. Like that yeah. is the whole, the, the, that's the way people have arguments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's how you, it's again, like it feels, it feels, especially if you were an audience member watching that, mm. you would, you would, I feel like you would be drawn closer to it as opposed to a bunch of this, which we just read, which feels very far, far, far away. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not, not, I don't feel intimate with any any of these, at least in well, this this poor lad's. <laughs> um, I'm uh, I'm play. glad he had later success. I'm glad yeah. he found his groove. <laughs> yes. Whew. So that's the curious case of Stark Young, and actually, on re-listening to it uh, again, we recorded the conversation in the summer of 2020, and we're releasing it in the summer of 2021, I'm actually really glad that we stumbled across his work because I think, once more, there's a lot to be learned from what he did because so much of what he did is 
is the exact way that most verse dramatists try to recreate the wheel, as it were. Um, falls into all the sorts of traps that are common to most verse dramatists. And the lovely thing is we can learn from him and uh, then hopefully make improvements in our own verse so that so that we're using the form to its best effect, so that we're using all the tools in our tool boudoir, and so that we're really writing out the spoken music the way we want it to essentially be sung. So let this be a lesson to you, but for today, here endeth the lesson. Hamlet to Hamilton is a special project of Turn to Flesh Productions Audio Division. Turn to Flesh is a theater company in New York City that develops new plays in heightened text with vibrant roles for women and those underrepresented in classical art. In other words, we create new Shakespeare plays for everybody Shakespeare didn't write for. Hamlet to Hamilton is hosted by Emily C.A. Snyder, with audio engineering and sound design by Colin Kovarik, and original music by Taylor Benson. Special thanks to our patron, Madeline Farley, for helping to produce this episode. Special thanks to Esther Williamson for transcripts. To learn more about us or to support the podcast, visit hamlettohamilton.com or sign up to become a monthly patron by visiting patreon.com backslash hamlettohamilton. Other ways to support include leaving us a great review on Apple Podcasts or spreading the word about us with the hashtag HamletToHamilton or H2H using the numeral two in between. Are you a verse playwright, an educator, an actor, an interdimensional space traveler with a love of blank verse? Well, we want to hear from you. You can join the Turn to Flesh community and the community of Hamlet to Hamilton by finding us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram at Hamlet to Hamilton or at Turn to Flesh. Thank you for joining us, dear friends, for all things true, good, beautiful, and frequently in verse. <laughs>